All right, we welcome you. This is message number two in our series, Heroes of the Faith. So we're walking through the book of Acts. And as we are going through the book of Acts, we are taking notes of the heroes of the faith that are in that particular passage of which we are studying. This is what God is doing and has done and it always does. He, he raises up his people to be heroes of the faith. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 is the theme verse where it says, you will be my witnesses. It doesn't say they will be my witnesses. It says you, speaking of you. God wants you to be a hero of the faith. And this world is in desperate need of heroes of the faith. Your family, your wife, your husband needs you to be a hero of the faith. Your neighborhood, your workplace, this world, your church needs you to be a hero of the faith. And some of us are like, well, I'm just not sure, Mark, that's really me. Well, that may not be the way you see yourself, but it's the way God sees you. And, and look at this scripture just to encourage you in Romans 15, 4. It says, for everything that was written in the past, that's the book of Acts, it's written, was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we would have hope to be God's man, to be God's woman, to be raised up by the Lord, to be his hero of the faith, even today. Now this morning, we're going to look at Peter on the day of Pentecost, and we're going to see Peter. Here's a guy who just days earlier had denied even knowing Jesus Christ three times. And now we're going to see Peter demonstrate a trait of heroic faith that God is calling us all to demonstrate. And maybe that's been your life. You've denied Christ on different occasions. You feel like all this guilt, but the Lord forgives. He wants to restore. He wants you to be his man, to be his woman, and to demonstrate a trait of heroic faith that God wants all of us uh, to demonstrate. Let me give you the context. Last Sunday, the apostles were in Acts chapter 1. And what were they called to do in Acts chapter 1? Do you remember? They were called to wait. That's a trait of heroic faith. Acts chapter 1 verse 4, it says, Jesus said, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift promised to you by my Father. And then in Acts chapter 2, we're going to see revealed today the reason why the apostles were called to wait in Jerusalem. The gift that the Father promised, the Holy Spirit, would be poured out upon all those believers who waited in Jerusalem. An incredible miracle is going to take place. The church will be born, men and women, filled by the Holy Spirit. And this will be a turning point in the history of God's kingdom. And all this happened on the day of Pentecost. So I want us to read this happening. And I'm going to kind of fill in the blanks and add some things as we go along to just give you some understanding. Chapter 2, Acts, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came. Now let's talk about this day of Pentecost for a second. The word Pentecost means 50th. And Pentecost was one of the three primary festivals or feasts that the Israelites celebrated. And uh, it would take place, Pentecost would, 50 days after Passover. And at Pentecost, an offering of first fruits was always offered. So if you had an apple orchard, you would give the first fruits as an offering to God. And the symbolism of what we're going to see is so special. 
the Holy Spirit would come as God's first fruits offering to believers of the believer's inheritance, of which more was to come later. And those who received the Holy Spirit became the first fruits of the full harvest of believers that would come into the future, of which one day that would even include you. So when the day of Pentecost came, they were together in one place. Who's they? Well, it was 120 of they, believers, in one place. Scholars are divided on where the place was. Personally, I believe it was the upper room. Some say it doesn't quite fit the context because others heard something and it would have to have been more public, but I think there's an explanation for that. At any rate, you have 120 believers. Jesus said, don't leave Jerusalem, wait. And they're gathered, they're waiting. This is the day of the supernatural birth of the church. They don't know why they're exactly waiting, but we are seeing what God did in birthing his church. Suddenly, a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Now, a lot of people think, well, there's this massive wind that, no, no, no. That's not what Luke is describing. He's saying a sound like a violent wind. There was no wind. It was a violent sound like a 747 taking off. And it came from heaven in the room coming down to know it was of God. And it was loud because people outside the room in Jerusalem heard this sound. I don't know if you've ever experienced anything supernatural before. But this was a supernatural moment. The church was born in supernatural power. And if you're a believer, you have supernatural power. This is the church of Jesus Christ. And it was born in the supernatural power of God's spirits. So all these believers who are gathered, wait, the gift will come. And it begins with a noise as loud as a 747 that comes from heaven down upon them. And then they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Then there's a supernatural sight that they see, literal tongues of fire, not not heat type of fire, but most believe, I believe, the Shekinah glory of God comes upon each of these believers. We're not told how long the sound lasted. We're not told how long the fire, this picture of fire tongues is landing physically above probably each believer, but long enough for them each to see this. Can you imagine the experience in this room that these believers had encountered. And it says that all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. This is the third supernatural thing. The Holy Spirit in the Old Testament up to this point would come upon believers and empower you for a moment, but now the Holy Spirit, imagine, comes within to dwell permanently. It's the anointing of power upon God's people, and they begin to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. They begin speaking in known tongues that were understood by people around them, which we're going to talk about in a second. You have this birth of the church. It's a supernatural experience. It's a beautiful, amazing moment in history. The day that believers are experiencing the power of God. John the Baptist said, I'm going to baptize you with water. But the Messiah will come. He's going to baptize you with fire. Fire falls on humanity, 
on believers. And the church is born, people alive by the Spirit of God. Wow. What happened? The rest of the book of Acts is going to tell us what happened through these believers. But notice what happened immediately. Now, they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. So you've got thousands of Jews from all over that area of the world, and actually throughout the known world then, that would make it to Jerusalem to worship because it's Pentecost. And when they heard this sound, these are Jews, they're not believers. When they heard this sound, somehow they heard this 747 sound and they're drawn to it. A crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. This is not, you know, just un or not nonsensical babbling. No, no, no. What's being manifest here is beautiful tongues being spoken, as we're going to see. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? How then is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Now, you need to understand that Galileans, there are two kinds of Jews. There, there are Jews that were from the north in Galilee that were considered like the Hicks. They were the uneducated, unsophisticated. Then you have the Jews in Jerusalem, Judea. They're more sophisticated. They're educated. They don't speak with, you know, strange accents. They can pronounce all their words. And so all of these Jews that were more educated were like, how are these 120 Galilean Jews, who are believers, speaking in our language? How is that each of us hears them in our native language, Parthians and Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome. I mean, you have people all over the world, Jews, coming to worship. Both Jews and converts to Judaism, Christians and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own language. And by the way, this is the call of the church, to declare the wonders of God to the nations, that the church is born with a global vision. The whole point is to be filled with the Spirit to take the gospel to the worlds. And the world was here, the church is born, and, and languages are given so that the gospel, the great works of God, could be told to all the nations. That call has never changed. That is the purpose of a church. If a church does not have a global vision, it's not a church. That's the whole point. If you're a Christian and you don't have a global vision, what is going on? We're called to reach the world with the gospel, not just your family. Yes, your family, but it goes to the ends of the earth. Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. This is why the church is born. This is why God's people experience the day of Pentecost. And, and, and all of these unbelievers are trying to understand why these Galileans, these hicks, are speaking in all these beautiful languages. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what? What does this mean? Literally, that word means they, they had no category to understand what was happening. They were absolutely at a loss, the unbelievers in trying to understand what was happening around him. 
Let me give you our second hero of the faith trait. You just heard the context. We haven't even been introduced to our hero yet. But here's the trait. One of the most heroic things you can do is to give an explanation for a confounding event. Notice, this event on the day of Pentecost was totally confounding for unbelievers who were trying to figure out, what's this all about? They were at a loss. They had no category to understand. Verse 7, they're utterly amazed. And verse 12, amazed, perplexed, at a loss, they ask, what does this mean? The nations were confused, bewildered, confounded. Guess what? Today, nothing has changed. Nothing. People in our world today are constantly confounded. They're constantly confused. Perplexing moments, events, situations permitted by God come to them every single day. God is looking for a hero. Someone will stand up and interpret what's going on and bring an explanation to a world in absolute confusion. People see it on TV. Think about 9 11 rocked our nation, brought us to our knees. We watch it on the internet this last week. Eight people died in this Midwest Arctic snowstorm. Why? Why would this happen? What is this weather? Why would people freeze to death in the United States? Questions abound, confusion. People come face to face with these events in their own lives. A loved one dies. Someone gets fired from their job. A spouse leaves them. A child dies. Someone gets cancer. Their government seems to be spinning out of control. Questions. Do you know what unbelievers are asking all the time? Verse 12. Verse 12. What does this mean? What does this mean? Does this mean God hates me? Does this mean there is no God? There really is no God. If there is a God, why would God allow this to happen to me? Does this mean the world's going to end? You know, at some point in your life, and in my life, maybe several times in our lives, you'll be given the opportunity to be a hero. A hero of the faith. For someone or for a group of people who are perplexed, you're going to be given the opportunity by God to provide for someone in their most confusing moment an explanation. And that explanation can potentially absolutely change their life. It's why you've been saved by God's grace. It's part of what it means to be his witness. We're going to study this in detail in a second. Because you're like, how can I do that? Peter is our hero. We're going to see Peter in heroic poise show us how. We're going to learn from him. And we're going to go out into our week being heroic, ready to step in and give an explanation for someone in their most confusing moment. 
But first, I, I want you to I want you to consider in your mind's eye who God has providentially brought into your life, whether at work, in your neighborhood, family member, friend, does not matter. Would you talk about this? Can you share about someone you know who is facing a confounding event or situation right now? Someone you know who is just asking why? What's this all about? What does this mean? They are in confusion. Who do you know right now? Talk about that at your tables. Go for it. Okay, let's look now at six ways to give a heroic explanation to a confounding event. There are hundreds, dozens of different confounding events that, that literally inset, you know, that confront people. And yet we see here the context. People are saying, what does this mean? They're confused. It's time for a hero. Peter is that hero. Number one, a heroic explanation requires discerning the right time. Verse 14, then Peter stood up. Will you stand up? Will I stand up? Will there be a time we stand up? Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain. I know you're confused. You're dismayed. You have no category to understand what's going on. Let me explain this to you. Notice, Peter stood up at the right time. Not too early, not too late. It takes discernment. The Holy Spirit will lead you because you have his power. Peter discerned that people were confused, and he waited until he heard people ask. Verse 12, what does this mean? You and I, we are not called to answer questions that people are not asking. That's foolish. You wait for people to ask questions. You see it on their faces, and then you enter into the conversation. You don't jump ahead of God. You're not behind God. You're with God. You're joining God as he's leading you through life. Hearers of the faith answer questions people are asking, and it's self-evident. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you. This person is in need. 1 Peter 3.15 says, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. It's always with gentleness and respect. And Peter's that way here. But he waited until there was a question. Do you recognize this picture? Do you recognize this picture? I think you do. That's the Challenger space shuttle crew. It was 33 years ago that NASA's space shuttle Challenger, carrying Krista McGullough, the nation's first teacher-turned-astronaut, along with six other crew members right there. And then we remember in the next picture all too well, don't we? 73 seconds after this explosion, with millions of teachers and school children watching in classrooms across America, this aircraft disintegrated into this spectacular high altitude ball of fire and smoke, January 28, 1986. Gathered with students inside Concord High School's library to watch the launch on a recently donated television, 
The festive, highly anticipated morning suddenly turned dark and chaotic for these kids and teachers. One teacher said shortly after the explosion, we began hearing a news helicopter overhead. Reporters were crawling all over outside too. Classes were canceled. Some of the kids talked to the press, but most, they were just too upset. With the students gone, Cockard's principal, Charles Foley, convened the faculty together inside the auditorium to discuss the way forward, including a plan to bring Greek counselors in to help and process everyone's grief. Until now, I'm speaking right now, nobody's ever talked about the special prayer that was offered inside McCullough's public school, a prayer that helped provide ballast to a bewildered and grieving faculty. At the conclusion of the briefing, with many on staff still dazed and overwhelmed by what they had just witnessed, an arm went up in the crowd. A hero is being raised up by God. And it was the hand of Nick Houston, a building and trade teacher, just like you, just like me, a Galilean, a simple man, a simple woman, a hero of the faith. He said, I know everybody processes grief differently, but the only way I know how to do it is to pray. So this is only voluntary, but I would like to pray for the families and everyone who is hurting. Every head bowed. A hush fell over the assembled as Nick proceeded to pray a simple but sincere word of petition. It was a sacred moment. Unifying action that pulled everyone together in their grief and sent them out into the cold New Hampshire afternoon with a spirit of quiet hope after a miserable and tragic morning. Nick Houston is gone now, but his legacy left to the memories of the Concord High School alumni lives on. A reporter asked Nick Houston's wife about this special prayer on that tragic day, and she broke down in tears. That's just the kind of thing Nick did all the time. He just didn't talk about himself. He preferred to talk about the Lord. Many of you are like this. You are heroes of the faith. You prefer to talk about the Lord. You look for opportunities when the timing is right. You are heroic. Some of you, God is calling you to open your voice. You have power to do so. Because you've experienced Pentecost. And Pentecost wants to come out. It has been three decades since a quiet shop teacher offered a bold prayer in the midst of a shocked and rattled school facility, faculty. Hmm. That's a hero of the faith. Whether it be this man, Nick, or Peter, at Pentecost, or you, in your situation, first thing we see with Peter, you go back there 2,000 years ago, you've got hundreds if not thousands of Jews that are absolutely bewildered. They don't understand what's going on. And Peter is waiting for the right time. Questions are being asked. People are in shock. A hero steps up. A hand goes up. The timing is right. That's the first thing. You've got to be praying, and so do I. God, is this the right time for me to enter in? That's the first move of a hero. 
to give an explanation to a confounding event. Number two, a heroic explanation is done best when others collaborate agreement. You look at verse 14, it says, then Peter stood up with who? What does it say? The 11. Not just by himself did he stand up. Now, Peter was the spokesperson, but he stood up with the 11, which says this, they were in unity, they were in agreement, which tells us that even though Peter would be the spokesperson, Peter talked to the 11 about what he would say to explain this moment in history that they were all witnessing, which was a God thing of which there was a lot of confusion. And sometimes you need to talk to someone who knows God's word, maybe better than you, and come up with a unified statement that you need to share. You're called to be the spokesperson, but you just don't create this out of nothing. Sometimes you need to talk to, maybe you know of a situation right now, and the reason you're not being the hero is you're not exactly sure what to say. Many times in my ministry or life, I've had to enter into situations where I need to give God's word in a situation. I'm like, hey, Larry, I need to talk to you. Sit down with someone wise in God's word. What should I say in a situation like this? Many of you, many on many occasions, you come up to me, Mark, can we get together? I need to enter in. I need to share something with a family member. Or I'm asked to speak in this. What do I say? That's heroic. You're collaborating with the family of God to get God's wisdom to speak into a situation. This is what Peter is doing. A heroic, heroic explanation. Yeah, you look for the right time. Are they asking questions? Okay, Holy Spirit. But then you, you, okay, I got my message right now. And sometimes you need to do your homework. You need, what does God's word say about this? So that I can have an answer when that situation rises. Or you know of a situation right now. You may need to do your homework. What does the Bible say? So you can bring God's word to bear in that situation. Number three, a heroic explanation should be heartfelt and personal. You look at verse 14 again, it says, Then Peter stood up. Fellow Jews and everyone, all of you who live in Jerusalem, and he says this, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I have to say. Peter's offering himself. He's being very transparent and vulnerable. You notice that Peter, uh, he did not send a text. He did not give a tweet. Didn't send an email. Didn't like get on a cell phone and make a phone call to that person. Didn't write a letter. Didn't write a letter say, you know, really, you should just read the Bible or you should make an appointment and go talk to Pastor Mark or you should... That's not heroic. A hero is someone who offers themselves. It's face-to-face. -face. You make the trip to that person's office or to their home. And you, you, it's face-to-face. -face. Peter is there. Face-to-face. -face. Very easy to outsource. And you're one step away from the person or individuals or group who need an explanation. And that's why heroes of the faith, it's often not easy to be a hero of the faith. It's scary. Because you're really putting yourself out there. But you have the power of the Holy Spirit to do that. And you're never going to know God's power until you actually put yourself out there. And then God's power comes upon you in those moments. And it's amazing, and it's supernatural. And people begin to see Pentecost right in front of their eyes in your life. Because you're doing something you can't do. Only God can do. And God's using you in ways you never thought possible. That is normal Christianity. That's what we are called to be experiencing. 
supernatural power of God working through ordinary Galileans who are a bunch of hicks. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're a hick. <laughs> but you have the Holy Spirit, so smile. You got to finish it with that, okay? Remember, this is Peter. He's a fisherman. You have Jews from all over the known world who are coming together. They're more sophisticated. And here is Peter speaking. Wow. That's what God does. Hmm. Number four, a heroic explanation should discredit what is blatantly false. Now, this takes a lot of heroic faith. Notice what, what happens here. Verse 13, some, however, made fun of them and said, ah, they've had too much wine. They're just drunk. All these guys speaking in, you know, their own tongues. they like, they're drunk. That, that's why they're saying what they're saying. And, of course, Peter says, he, he discredits this right at the front. He says, hey, let me explain this to you. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only 9 in the morning. I mean, come on. They're not drunk. So he, he literally discredits what is being stated as a rumor or what's not true. Heroes do that. One of the most heroic things you can do for someone is to share in love to them what is blatantly false. And it is hard to do. Heroes of the faith speak the truth in love. This is never easy to do. A terrible thing has happened, but this does not mean God does not love you. This is terrible what you're going through. God doesn't hate you. He has a plan. He loves you. Terrible things. They not only happen to bad people, terrible things happen to good people. That's the truth. It takes a hero to say it. So many times at funerals, um, I've made a statement like this. It's not easy to do, but it's the truth. Actually, about every funeral I've ever preached at, I say something like, good people do not go to heaven. People go to heaven who have put their faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins. So-and-so is in heaven today not because they were good, but because they trusted in Jesus Christ, because they are a sinner saved by grace. That is the truth. Heroes dispel lies. I love you, brother. I love you, sister. But what you are believing, what you are following is a cult. It is not the truth. Man, you have to have the right timing on that. You have to have the right spirit. But I'm telling you, God wants to raise some of you up to be a voice in someone's life who is buying a lie, and if they die with that lie, they will go to hell. Who else is going to rise up to speak into that person's life who is buying a lie right now? God is wanting to raise you up in his timing and by his grace to dispel the lies that people are, are buying so they can be saved. That's a hero. Number four, or number five, the fifth way to give a heroic explanation to a confounding situation. A heroic explanation shares what the Bible says about the event. Ultimately, this is what you're getting at. 
You look at verses 16 and then following, look what Peter says. He says, no, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. You're confused. You don't understand what's going on. And he brings them right to the Bible. What you're seeing here is talked about in the Bible. It's in the book of Joel. And he quotes Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. This is what's happening. All these people you're seeing around you speaking in these languages that you understand, they, this is the day that God said he would pour out his spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. This is, sons and daughters right now are prophesying. They're telling the great things of God. That's prophesying. And your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they will prophesy. He's saying this is the Bible coming alive in front. This is what's happening right now. And then he kind of gives the whole passage there. He speaks about actually what's going to happen in the future and the great tribulation. He says, I will, I, I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great day of the glorious day of the Lord. And everyone then, Peter kind of brings it back to a focus, who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. This could be the day of your salvation. God is showing you the birth of the church, his spirit being poured out, prophesying is taking place. It's all coming to fruition right here before your very eyes. This is what this day is all about. People are confused. Peter's saying, what you're hearing right now, all these people declaring the wonders of God, this is what the prophet Joel would said, said would take place. This is scripture being fulfilled before your very eyes. So a heroic explanation simply takes the Bible and lets the Bible speak into a situation in which a person is facing that's confusing to them. When's the last time you just brought God's word out and just read scripture to a person going through a difficult moment to give an understanding, a biblical understanding of what they're experiencing? It's, it's not difficult, but it's profound. And it, it is heroic when you do that. And we see today, not the day of Pentecost where people are confused, but all sorts of other events that the Bible talks about taking place all the time. And it's not easy to like insert scripture into these events. But guess what? God will give you those moments to share. And on many occasions, I've had opportunity to talk about things like this. We see on TV, nations threatening uh, and, and war and violence in various ways. What a great moment to say, you know, this is what Jesus said would happen at the end time. Matthew 24, 6, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, such things will happen. We see national disasters, natural disasters, famines and earthquakes. What a moment. Just say to someone, you know what? Matthew 24, 7 and 8, there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. This is what the Bible said was going to happen. Now you have to say that with love and tenderness. But to give perspective on people, that reminds them this earth is not going to last forever. The Bible says it's on a path toward destruction. Sometimes we need to share that with people. Um, we see China right now. We see China imposing its facial recognition, social tracking system, literally being forced on 1.4 billion people in China. You know, by, by the end of, they're saying 2025 now, Every square inch of China will literally have uh, uh, facial tra tracking, recognition system, videotaping, surveillance covering the entire 
all of China. Right now, it's being imposed. All Beijing is 100% covered. Many of the major cities in China are absolutely covered. What does that mean? It means this. This is what's happening in China right now. There is a citizen rating system that's being imposed on all of these over a billion people. So that they can only, if the only way you can travel in China is if you're a good citizen. The only way you can do business in China is if you're a, quote, good citizen according to their definition of good citizenship. You want to buy food and sell it? You need to become a good citizen. Google's behind all this. Google is giving them the technology to impose what it will become the greatest um, moment of persecution our world has ever seen on the church. And you know what this all is about? I mean, to just wake up people, the Bible talks about a person in history who will enter called the Antichrist. If you can't see this, you are absolutely blind. The mark of the beast, exactly. It is... It's in the making right now. The Bible talks about this. Let me just read it to you. Revelation 13. He also forced all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hands and on their foreheads so that they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark, which is the name of the beast, the number is 666. We are seeing this right now. The technology is there. It's going to go global one day. This is a great moment to just insert this into, you know, when you're having coffee tomorrow. <laughs> You have to be led of the Spirit. I'm just saying, I'm not saying this is the conversation. I'm just saying, Christians, we are called to stand up, raise our hands when people are confused, and bring the Word of God to bear. Amen? I mean, that was a weak amen. Amen? Yeah. And I know it's scary. It's scary for all of us. But this is heroic faith. Never easy to do. But this is what Peter's doing. This is, this is what Joel said would happen. You're seeing the word of God come alive. Thousands of years of prophecy, or hundreds, I should say, have been given, and now it's happening. And we're seeing prophecy fulfilled in our day like never before. Who else is going to be the voice of that? You and me. We are God's heroes of the faith. In your environment, my environment. Let me give you the sixth way to give a heroic explanation for a confounding moment. A heroic explanation points to Jesus as the answer for every confounding event. And this is probably the greatest of all principles. We just point people to Jesus as the answer for whatever pain, for whatever confusion they're going through. And this is what Peter does. Peter, out of this, and we're not going to read the whole thing, but he preaches his first sermon. Here's this hick from Galilee, and he just shares, and this sermon is all about Jesus. He says, fellow Israelites, verse 22, Listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him. As you yourselves know, this man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and, and foreknowledge, and, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death on by nailing him to a cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep hold of him. And then go on, look if you would at at verse uh, 36, you'll have to read the whole sermon later. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and of the, the other apostles, Brothers, what do we do? 
Wow. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. 3,000 people turned to Christ because they're perplexed. Peter gives them a simple answer and he says, believe in Jesus. He is the answer to your problem. And they do. Don't think that people in the midst of their perplexity and confusion are not ready to turn to Jesus Christ. If you know of a situation, you know of someone who's just in deep despair, they're absolutely confused, they don't, like you heard Lindsay's testimony this morning, that is the greatest moment for a hero to enter into their lives. You say, what, what could this look like? Well, just a couple months ago, I'll give you one story. A couple months ago, I come out of my garage and, you know, just open up the garage. I was going to go out on a Saturday and literally there's a neighbor walking down the high, walking down our, right on our sidewalk. I've been praying for this guy for years. His name is Paul. And he walks down and, and, and here he is right there. And he, he literally walks right up to me. And I'm just like, whoa. And he walks up to me and he goes, Mark. And he lowered his shirt and he goes, look at this. And it was a big old scar. He goes, I just had open heart surgery a few days ago. He goes, I almost didn't make it, Mark. Right, right then, I could tell he was just bewildered. He never thought this would happen in his life. And I said, Paul, you need to have an answer. How about we trust Christ as your Savior and Lord right now in this moment? You ask Christ to give you that assurance of eternal life. And he said, let's do it. People in a perplexing, confused moment, that is the moment to just point people to Jesus as the answer. You may not have all the answers. So we held hands right there. I said a prayer. Paul prayed after me, asking Christ to be his Lord and Savior. I said, brother, let's take a picture. Boom. <laughs> you know, at some point in your life, you're going to be given the opportunity to be a hero of the faith by giving someone an explanation, a word from God about something that just is so perplexing in their life. I want you to talk about this a little bit. Would you at your tables? We've talked about six ways to give a heroic explanation. You know, it requires discerning the right time, should be done when others collaborate agreement, should be heartfelt and personal, it should discredit what is blatantly false should share what the Bible says about their confounding situation and should point Jesus to Jesus as the answer. Would you just talk, you know, of everything that's been shared this morning, what is the Holy Spirit speaking to you about? Which maybe principle there do you need to apply in your life? God's speaking to you right now. Take a moment to talk about that at your tables. Go for it. Okay, guys, let me, uh, let me wrap this up by bringing us back to our main, our second hero of the faith trait, and it's this. One of the most heroic things we can do is to give someone an explanation for a confounding event. So, hey, do you, is there someone in your life right now 
that is just, is your heart starting to beat because you're like, whoa, man, Lord, I know of someone or I know of a situation. Is God speaking to you? Is the Lord saying it's time for your hand to go up? It's time for you to be Peter, to stand into the gap, to be a hero of the faith on behalf of this situation. Because if not you, who? If not now, when? And your heart's starting to beat. It's exciting. It's an opportunity for you to grow, to trust in the power of the Holy Spirit, to be unleashed in your life as you move forward. 3,000 people came to Christ that day because Peter gave an explanation when people were confused. What's going to happen in that person's life? Now, maybe they're not going to trust Christ. Maybe they will. But a seed will be planted, something incredibly deep that, guess what? They will never forget. Never. It requires discerning the right time. Maybe you need to get someone to collaborate, give you some insight into what you should share. But let it be heartfelt and personal. Don't send an email. If you need to discredit what is blatantly false that they're believing, well, share that in love. Point to the Bible, and most of all, point to Jesus as the answer. Nick Houston, I love that story. The man's hand went up and he just offered a simple prayer to just pray for someone. How heroic, just to pray for someone. Peter gave a simple explanation. A neighbor, I just prayed for this guy. Pointing him to Jesus is the answer. I have a long way to go. I know all of us do. But God's spirit is in you, my friend. His spirit is in you to make you a hero of the faith, even this week. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, uh, we thank you for the birth of your church. What a beautiful, amazing description of the power that is given to us all. Thank you, Lord, for this privilege of just being filled with your spirit and it's you in us, Lord. It's not ourselves that makes us a hero of the faith. Help us to see those around us who may be asking, what does this mean? They're asking it in hundreds of different ways. But Lord, give us the eyes to see those faces. Give us a heart for people who are just rocked by life. And again, give us your grace. Give us words to provide an explanation and ultimately to just point people to Jesus, whatever form that would look like. Let your Holy Spirit lead us. And maybe you just need to say, Lord, grant me your grace and your power to let my voice be heard, to enter in and see what you'll do. Would you ask the Lord for that grace and strength? We love you, Lord. Only by your grace go we. And let us go with you this week to be your men and women. All God's people said.